because it is a huge Caracas Millions weekend over there. We've also got the Ballarat Pacing Cup as well, so we need to get Mick Gearan's thoughts on all of those. Plus, Mick, we saw up on the uh, Gold Coast last week, he purchased uh, quite a few horses. I wonder what the end count was as we say good morning to Mick Gearan. How are you, Mick? Morning, guys. Hope you're well. Um, good, good, uh, good morning to all the listeners, too, around Victoria and Hope everybody who got to the Magic Millions enjoyed themselves. Oh, everyone did. There's no doubt. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get to see the Magic Millions, which will be on today. Um, how many horses did you and your team end up procuring? Um, There's just two of us, just Sam and I, Sam Beekson from Riversley Park. So we got three, um, shopped really well. Um, we had a moment where we were going to go to 120 or 140 for one and and got up to 60. And when you have those moments, you know, it's, it's a really good... Um, good start because when you're pinhooking Michael, you know he's a horse we think we can times by four, so we're hoping he's a horse we can sell for two forty, but he might even be a bit more. So successful weekend, and it's funny you have a, a list when you go there, and it's that horse wasn't on any list of any sort, and he ended up being the horse we liked the most out of the sale for what we do. So funny thing, sales are very organic, but met lots of cool people up there, had a good time, and increased our mental database and we'll try again at Caraca in about 10 days and then we'll go to um, maybe the classics and then we'll head off to, to Easter for the English sale which has quite good shopping and that sort of 100 to 200 range so really good weekend to learn some stuff Michael. So you still got plenty of bullets to fire? Um, no, look, if you're making money you have. Look, if, if you're selling horses you buy horses and selling them to make money what you spend's largely irrelevant you just can't afford to make too many mistakes. A lot of people don't understand what the, the pin-hooking market is, and it's becoming more popular as uh, in recent times, isn't it, Mick? Well, well, you used to have the NZB sale in November, which is the biggest of the pin-hooking sales, but English have put a lot of money into the inward buyer scheme to, to um, improve their sale in October. We sold there in October. We sold a horse. We paid for 54 and sold it for 215 So the standard's going up at the English sale. The Magic Millions have their own breeze-up sale, and it, it's the third of the sales, but you know they'll put money into that too because Jerry seems intent on on increasing everything he does. So I think the Australian ones used to be a dumping ground where people put horses back in, but now there's some really professional guys and girls prepping horses over there exclusively for those sales. And sometimes it suits horses who you can buy a horse in January, and that stallion can be enormously updated by October or November. Um, so I think it's a really important market because a lot of people also go, Michael, to the sales, either don't get what they want or they get what they think they want and it's not what they want by November. Mm. The horse hasn't come up the way they wanted it to or it's not going to make a two-year-old. So I think it's an important marketplace because otherwise people would take horses home from the sales for the past in lots and not have a lot of options but to get them through to a trial. And getting a horse through to a trial is an expensive business. So, yeah, I think it's really important. I enjoy it. I enjoy the talent identification, but for me, Michael, it's very much a learning curve because um, it's something I've only been doing for two or three years. SMS saying, what actually does pin hooking mean or why is it called pin hooking? To be honest, I've just Googled it. And did you know this, Mick? Pin hooking um, is to buy a commodity, originally tobacco, with the expectation of selling it later for a profit. The term is an old Kentucky tobacco term used when a speculator would buy a farmer's young plants and later identify them with a pinned note at the markets. 
I didn't, but now I do, Michael, and that'll be handy at some stage over the next three months of my life because we have Caraca around the corner and I'm going to be hosting there. So There you go. It's, 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 it's talking about Caraca, a really unusual experience. This week we have the Caraca Million on Saturday and this year it's at Pukekohe because Ellerslie is closed. But it's always had a bunch of Aussies there because we start selling the next day, but we don't this year. There was a bit of a, bit of a grumble, the Wellington Racing Club, didn't want to move next week's Wellington Cup. So the Caracas Millions on Saturday, but we don't start selling for eight more days. And it, it'll take a bit of sting out of it. I mean, it's great to have the Aussies and their friends from Asia here, and they won't be here. But um, we've got a hell of a race day. It's a really tasty race day. And we've got some Aussies here. Obviously, Frosty's coming across to ride a theory of star for Andrew Forsman. They have a great association. Um, Daniel Stackhouse is coming across. So... It's going to be a real Aussie flavour to it, and, and it's a good race night, Michael. Like you know, Imperatrice, who won the railways in a support race, Pia, who won the 2000 Guineas in a support race against Maven Bell, they could both end up in Australia. Um, the two year old race is really even. Tiaka have seven. Seven. But, but, the, but the race of the day is the three year old. It's a ripper. Unbeaten Philly Legato up against almost unbeaten gelding in Wild Night and a really strong support cast with a horse like Prowess being a rigged filly. So it's it's the race, the thoroughbred race of the New Zealand mm. season so far. Absolutely no doubt. It's the most hyped, the most interesting, and the race which probably has the most moving parts as an indicator to horses who can tune up in Australia at all sorts of levels. We're talking Brisbane, we're talking Sydney, we're talking Melbourne, we're talking Kenny's races, we're talking derbies. It's going to have a lot of moving parts and it's a lot of fun because the two favourites, Legato and Wild Knight, drew one and two. Mm. And Legato's never been in barrier one and it doesn't suit her at all. And she might come out and win and that would make her outside probable, one of the most exciting New Zealand fillies this millennium, you, but you could get beat, you've and it's a really tricky one. About her for a while, Legato. Um, are you with her on on Saturday? I've gone for Wild Night only because I'm. I watched all Legato's races and all her trials last night. I watched every single one of them twice, and there's a moment between the four hundred and the two hundred when she mucks around. And then winds up, and her last 100 metres is just graphic. It's really stunning stuff. But if she mucks around between the four and the two, these good horses might get away on her, and she might be a luckless, amazing, wow, second or third. She actually got out to $3 boosted odds with the TOB yesterday, so I had a good bet on her yesterday, only because I can now back wild night and be in a position where I think I'm a 90% chance of winning. But I'm going him on top for logical reasons, but she might come in and do something special, and that'll surprise nobody. But those horses, Michael, as you know, who hit those flat spots, and she comes off the bit, and then she just roars. If your rivals are too far in front of you, that roar may not be loud enough. It's going to be really fascinating stuff. And it, it's the race of... I haven't looked forward to any race in either code this much for probably since last April. It's an absolute beauty. Well, I want to pick your eyes uh, uh, out of the, the meeting then. As you said, it's a, it's an open Caracamillions for the two-year-olds. Which way are you going? 
It's just so hard betting against Tiaka on these races. It's just, you can do it, and then afterwards you go, well, why did I do that? I mean, Opie Botham usually wins it. He's won five of the last six. They've got weight of numbers. It's what they do. It's what their business model was set up to do, to win two-year-old races. It's a week before the sale, get all the owners back in. They're very, very good at doing it. So if you're betting against Trobriand, who's Opie's ride, then you're betting against something you know works. So if you can make a case you could back Trobriand and another horse, and that other horse for me would be Ethereal Star. Big daughter of Snitzel has one on the track, gets Damien Lane, gets Barrier 3, Forsman's training up a storm. I think a lot of people would like to see her win. Um, no anti-Tiakao sentiment, but people would like to see a different stable win. And Andrew's on the cusp of that new phase of his career. So you can make a case because the market's so even. You could back Trobriand, which is the OP Boston horse, and another horse, and that would be my way to attack the race. But as anybody knows, when, you, when you're bidding against um, Tiakao on these type of races, afterwards you just sometimes shrug your shoulder and go, what do I bother trying? <laughs> uh, can Pierre win the Almanzor Trophy first up? I don't think so. I think 1,200 is a bit pointy for him. Maven Bell was really good last start. If she's three wide cover into the race, I think she'll blow past him. I think Pierre can turn up and run a race in a Rose Hill Guineas. Um, or Randwick Guineas, mm. or something like that, a Hobart, or something like that. I think Pierre's not largely inferior to Aegon, who won the Hobart Bill with his first time on Australian soil before the wheel seller for touch. So I just think 1,200 might be a bit pointy for him, but he does have the barrier draw. I'm also thinking, Michael, for heading there, not so worried about this week because it's a trial for Australia where he ultimately is going to end up. Yeah, well, owned by Australian interests uh, in the Aussie Kia car as a colours there as well. And is it is it just a, a nice leg for a multi in Peritrez in the Westbury Classic about a dollar forty five? Look, she should win. She's there's horses in there who you could make a case might beat her, but they're, they're thirty seven rating points below her, and they're only getting four kilos. I mean, in the real world, they'll be getting twenty kilos. So, look, it's set up beautifully for her. Um, she was good last start. Opie tends to keep them out of trouble this night. So you can make a pretty strong case you could take her um, into Maven Bell and and then roll them into the last and take Legato and Wild Night. I did the same thing a couple of years ago when Aegon raced Amarillina in the last. And they, they shot clear and there was a head between them at the line, but the bottom line was you're on both. So maybe a multi goes Imperatrice, Maven Bell, split the last leg, you're getting each of twos for three dollars. So you're getting one point you know, hundred and fifty percent profit margin and you can no need to yell at the T V because you might be on first and second. <laughs> uh let's change codes now because gee, it's a cracking Ballarat pacing cup on Saturday night. It's a beauty. It's an absolute beauty. Stronger than the Inter-Dominion final because two of the Kiwis have turned up and one of them copied that, has won a New Zealand Cup since he was last on Victorian soil. He's followed over their bottles called Old Town Road, who's really fast, and it's John Dickey's first ever pacer he's taken to Australia. He's taken a stack of trotters and cleaned up a whole bunch of braces. His first pacer. Um, intriguing race because Rock and Roll do would have been favourite for this race for ages. Um, you know, any time in the last three months. 
there's a few things that have gone wrong with him. He has a new driver in Anthony Butt. A horse called Cranbourne has turned up, ironically, from New Zealand and won fresh up for David Aiken last week, and everybody's gone, wow, where's this been hiding? Well, it's been in the South Island in a small stable, and small stable horses tend to improve a lot, Michael, when they get to a bigger stable. Gate speed's going to be crucial because there's a lot of it on the front line, and whoever ends up in front is going to be the horse to beat out of the good horses. If it's Cranbourne, great, he becomes the horse to beat. If it's Rock and Roll Do, he becomes the horse to beat. If it's Copy That, he clearly becomes the horse to beat because he's been a fantastic horse in front. If I had to have a bet, I'd probably go Copy That. I think he's in the zone, and Blair Orange, who's been New Zealand's champion driver the last five seasons, comes to Victoria, where he's only ever driven once. He's driven once in Victoria at Horsham, of all places. He's never been to Melbourne, hasn't even been to the track. So the Hunter Cup's going to be interesting for him in a couple of weeks. But if I had to have a bet, I would say copy that, because I think the horse inside of Torrid Saint might get across and he might follow it across and get the lead. But again, it's a really intriguing race, and it's going to have massive ramifications for the market for the Hunter Cup. We were on this radio station a month ago telling people to bet into the Hunter Cup market because it was bung. It was completely wrong. The TRB stuffed it up. Well, that's now becoming very evident by the fact that there's horses in the market who aren't going to go there. Mm. So I do think the Hunter Cup's a very bettable market. I think we were tipping people to back copy that at $11 in the Hunter Cup a month ago. It's still $8. If it wins on Saturday, it might be $3. In saying that, the Hunter Cup barrier draw will, will play a lot into that market, Michael. The open class trotters here there as well. Uh, on Saturday, so Ballarat's got a really, really cool meeting and we roll into Melton next week and then the week after um, on the 3rd and the 4th we had the Great Southern Star on the Friday night and the Hunter Cup on the Saturday night so before the gallops start getting really busy again, Michael in Victoria, which we know starts happening early to mid-February we've got some really cool harness racing if you're listening to this and you don't go to the trots very often, and you think, oh, I should take the, the kids and the wife and everybody else, take your dog, I don't really care who you take. The one meeting you should probably go to is Hunter Cup Night on the 4th of February. Weather's good, footy hasn't started. It, it'll be worth going to because it's one of the first true trans-Tasman races um, we've had in Victoria for the last couple of years because of COVID. So it'll be a lot of fun, but if you live closer to the rat, you can hit the end of Saturday night and also catch some top-class harness racing. And uh, the Hunter Cup is a great night, and I, I loved all the coverage throughout uh, the the recent feature races that were also shown on .com, and, and the Hunter Cup was on .com last year. Do you know, Mick, if that deal's been done again this yep, year? Yep, it's, it's, it's been done again. So Adam, Brilliant. Ryan, and I will be hosting the studio. We'll have Shannon O'Sullivan, Jay Bond, Gareth, everybody out there at the track. It's, it's probably the best version of harness racing coverage, not because I'm on it, but because of the expense and, and all the, the work that goes into that. Um, Ryan Phelan's really taken that space over himself, and he's been in the game, as you know, for a bloody long time, and he does a super job with it. So, yes, um, coming back to Doc Pong, Hunter Cup night, so if you can't be at the track, um, we'll try and wear something nice and try and think of something funny to say and tip you a winner. That is good news. And just quickly as I say goodbye, I just see Harness Racing Victoria has just put out a release um, saying that they've uh, announced their new CEO. So Matthew Isaacs will be the new Chief Executive Officer of Harness Racing Victoria. So uh, that's great that they now have a, a CEO that's taking over from Dale Brown. It says uh, 
Uh, he's had successful stints at Tabcorp, Pacific Brands Australia, Nestle, Coca-Cola uh, and other major companies as well. And he worked at Tabcorp as general manager of wagering and media for five years. So someone that knows the industry and knows the wagering market, which will be great for Harness Racing Victoria. Yep, look, that was the word that that, that we've been fighting around for the last month. It's now been confirmed. And, uh, I hope that Fiona Mellow stays on then. She's a very, very efficient uh, acting CEO, and I hope she stays on because I think for continuity, that's really important. You have people who have been in the building for a while staying in the building, so hopefully her and Matthew can work in tandem together. But uh, obviously he has a wealth of experience, and most importantly, in that wagering space, I mean, there's absolutely no point getting CEOs who don't have experience in the wagering space because then they have to defer all their major negotiations and all their major policies to the person who does. So if your CEO has that, at least they're not um, having to listen to somebody else and playing Chinese whispers around that sort of stuff. So well done to Matthew. I look forward to working with him if, in fact, we end up doing that in the future. But more importantly, immediately, Ballarat this Saturday, Melton the Saturday after, Melton the Friday and Saturday after that. We're going to have some fun, Michael, as we have some fun over here with Caracas and the Caracas sales, which starts Sunday week, and there will be, have talking to people from Magics, there will be a stack of Australians coming to Caracas. So, no doubt. Yep, the circuit continues. Look out. Uh, good on you, Mick. Have a great weekend. You too, brother. Mick Gearin.